0: We are so excited that this latest message from Truth Moving Church can meet you where you are today. This message from TMC will help you to apply the truth of God's word to your everyday life. It's practical and powerful. Enjoy his word. Somebody shout amen again. to work a little bit today? I don't know if I'm going to give you all of this, but I'll, uh, I I want you to come back next week, so I don't want to take you here for three, four hours while I break this down. Let's work a little bit. That's okay? Uh, we're going to pick up where we kind of left off last week. Um, my heart's desire was to give you another one of these next week, but um, we got to do something different next week, uh, just with time constraints and uh lit Sunday being in place. Uh, god gave me a message for that a few a few months ago. So um we gotta deal with that. But we may come back to this. Is that all right? <coughs> I'm not gonna say may, we'll come back to it. All right, because I'm not gonna give you all this today. Um so let's turn back to the book of Samuel, first Samuel fifteen, verse thirteen. I know Portia gave us a bunch of announcements um, today. Uh, we had a lot going on. It's a beautiful thing to have stuff going on. Amen? Amen. Y'all didn't clap. Y'all act like y'all ain't going to be there for <laughs> Um But um, please adhere to those and, and make sure that you're a part of that. Um, I know it can be difficult at times to try and drink all this on a Sunday morning, specific to announcements and all that stuff, but um, if you don't mind going on the the Church Center app and downloading it to make sure you get everything, that would be ideal. 1 Samuel 15, verse 13, NIV. How y'all doing today? Raise your hand if you had a good week. So here's the problem. Y'all didn't move fast enough. It just kind of like drug its way up. <laughs> what is that? Did you have a good week? Yes. Lord, I don't want to go to church y'all go to. Good night. <laughs> Amen. Uh, 1 Samuel 15, 13. You there? Yes. Oh, you look a little weak. De'Andre, you there? All right. I'm not going to ask you, Elia. Really. you looking at me too hard. First <laughs> Samuel 15, Thirteen. You can pause there for a second. Um, we talked last week about three types of obedience that keeps us in a cycle of disobedience. Y'all remember that? Um, so let's let's walk through the three. What was the first one? We're gonna try it one more time. The first one was. The second one was. And the third one was. That's good. Give yourselves a hand. You deserve that. You. The reason why these types of obedience are successful at keeping us in a cycle of obedience is because they feel just like and even look like complete obedience. I'll say that again. The reason why um, we, we we are so um, Engulfed in these types of obedience um, because they look like, they feel like, they make us feel like we are completely obeying God. They're so close together um, that um, it makes us feel and believe that we are doing everything God has called us to do. We're doing it by the letter, and, and, and the truth of the matter is, we're totally disobeying. Right? Um, Who's ever done these, um, these, these VR headsets, like the virtual reality headsets? Raise your hand high. <clears throat> A couple of us, yes. La- last week was my first time ever doing <laughs> these VR headsets. Now, here's the thing before I show you the video. I hear old oh, gods already. Let's just get this clear. I'm showing you this so you can laugh with me, not at me. Now, if your spirit is not right. You need to check it at the door. Let's pay let's play let's pay the video. Do you, like, shoot it? Do you got click it? Did that do it? Uh-huh. <laughs> there you go. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Where <do> you go? <laughs> Where's he at? You too close to me? Press that little button, It might send me back up. Where? The little one right next to the right thumb. You see him? Can you see him? You know, you. Step forward, step forward. Right there. See, uh I'm on the like ropes. Okay. okay. So you're on this? the ropes? Ooh. Can you hey, see a lot? Where's Bathroom. Ooh. Deep down. Oh, Got any bangers. Okay, yeah. okay. Okay. Imagine walking by real quick. I'm out of the ring, yo. Oh, how you, oh. Sh- you out of the ring? Out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> back up, back up. Now I'm t- y'all saw that right jab moving the way he was moving. <laughs> you could clap a pastor, he got a little bit. I can get him up off me now. <laughs> Don't get it twisted. So I finally made it through the game. Um, I actually ended up getting knocked out a little bit after that. Um, But when I was done, um, I was tired as if I had gone through a physical fight with Creed himself. You couldn't tell my body, as much as you wanted it to, that it didn't just go through a 12-round bout with Creed. And even though I wasn't swinging on anybody, my body felt, because I was going through the actions, that I was physically fighting. Hear me on this. Partial obedience causes us to engage the same faith muscles that complete obedience does. But the difference is is that one form of obedience pleases God and the other form displeases God. You have to understand what obedience does to us. If you're not fully obedient, you're disobedient. And you're going through the motions and you're frustrating yourself and you're engaging the mental and you're gauging the heart and you're doing all of these things and you're doing some of the right things. But because you're not doing all of the right things, God doesn't honor what you do because it's not obedience. So here's the thing, and this is what we're going to get at today. You would be, you're sitting in your chair right now, and you're saying to yourself, Pastor Wanzo, you'll be hard pressed to prove to me that I'm disobedient. The reason why you say that to yourself is because you're going through all of the same motions that an obedient person has to go through. You're doing everything an obedient person is supposed to go through but that one thing. So I've exerted the same energy. I've invested the same amount of time. I've prayed as much. I've done everything that I think that I'm supposed to do. And then when I get to the end of it, I'm not getting what I think I'm supposed to get out of it because all of this time. You've been disobedient. God is looking for 100% obedience. Here's here's the thing. Um, In this virtual reality stuff, um, I'm doing all of the work, but, but what I'm swinging at doesn't swing back. And it's pretty easy to do that because it doesn't swing back. And that's the same, same thing with partial obedience. Partial obedience doesn't swing back. It feels good. It's easy to move in. It's easy to move out of. But when I'm obedient, it makes me stretch for things. Oh, gosh, y'all. It, it makes me have to sacrifice a few things. It makes me have to say no to things that I believe are good for me. And even when I believe that they're good for me, God is saying, listen to me. That thing right there, even though it's good, is not for you. I'm talking too much for y'all today. That thing right there, even though it's good, is still not for you. And he's asking you to start obeying him. Wow. Here's the... Oh, it's just, Might be a bad. Here's the trippy thing about obedience (laughs) it could be good for you and not you. Same God, different expectation. He he has a different expectation of you than it is for me. You see, it looks a little, here's the thing that's the reason why you can't look at me while I work and expect to do the same thing that I do and get the same result. Because what he has for you, shout, what he has, for me, he has for, for me, it is for me. Oh, God. Listen, you, you get what I'm saying? Well, God, what, what, I'm praying just like they're praying, and I'm giving just like they're giving. Uh, 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 because what's for them is for them, and what's for you is for you. And the Oh, gosh, and, and here's the thing. You said, well, Pastor Wansell, I've done all of these things, and you're telling me I'm being disobedient? Yes. <laughs> I pray. Y'all give me all the stuff we, we religious folks do. We pray. Come on. We fast. Oh, you got deep quick. We fast. <laughs> we pay tithes. We pay tithes. Now, you give, you real. What else? We study. We, we, do, we do offering. We, we serve. Worship. Worship. Come come to church. <laughs> All of those things that you just mentioned. If you miss one, if you don't do one, were you obedient? I clearly explained, I think I thought I was very clear last week what I thought cleaning cleaning the kitchen looked like. Did I give those details last week? I'm not gonna call Nan one of my children's name. I'm not gonna call their name. But I stood up here on Sunday morning and I said, I'll give it to you again. I said, This is what cleaning the kitchen looks like to me. You wash the dishes. (laughs) Oh, let's stop right there. You wash the dishes. You don't put them in warm water and rinse them off and expect for them. you wash the dishes. You put some elbow grease into the dish to make sure that you get all of, the, get the debris off the dish. And then you rinse that dish off and you put it into the drying sink. You understand what I'm saying? And then after you do that, you wipe down the counters. Can I, I'm going to pause some. That part right there kind of gets me. Because you don't expect for the counter to be dirty. You see clean dishes, but you got a dirty counter and it just messes you up because now I've got all this grit on my hand that should not be there. That's just a personal pastor Wanzo thing. This bothers me. Wash the dishes, wipe down the sink, and then sweep the floor. Clean that stove? Y'all heard of clean that stove too. Clean that check the microwave. Now you gonna that's not it. Okay, that's that's good put the trash in the garbage, put in the garbage can. Was that pretty clear? Okay. You know. <laughs> I'm thoroughly confused. Because after I said all of these words, and we all agree, that's a clean kitchen. I'm, just, I'm not going to get deep on this because I'll be divulging too much information. Um. It just didn't happen the way that I said it was supposed to happen. So now, you put me in a position where I got to do something. I have to address you. And that is the way that God engages with us. When we determine after he's given clear instruction as it relates to what we're supposed to do, you put God in a position where he has to respond to you. He has to respond. He does not lie. He does not go back on his word. So he has to respond to your blatant disrespect to his instruction because that is exactly what it is. Pastor Wanzel, you're just using too many words. you explain the same thing. No, it, it, it is blatant disrespect to what he said to do. There's not a parent in this room that's just going to let your kids be blatantly disrespectful. It's not going to happen. I don't care how much you love them. I don't care how cute they are. I don't care how well they do. Once you disrespect me, sir, ma'am, you have a problem. Now, I would say to you, I'm not the one that typically um, chastises our kids in that fashion. But I'll call in the big guns if we got a problem. So it is, what it is? I want to talk to you today, and I'm gonna talk real quick because I've been messing with you too long. Um, I'm gonna to talk to you today about three traits of disobedience. Say that with me: three traits of disobedience. Here's the reason why I'm gonna give it. To you. you could probably tell me the reason why I'm gonna give this to you, right? Because we get caught up in the cycle of disobedience. and and, and we believe that we're being obedient, you got to be able to call out disobedience when you see it. Okay, so my mind went to calling. When I call something out, typically I call it out in somebody else's life. I need you to start calling it out in your own life. You see, David used to get himself, I'm, 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 I'm going to say this again, but I'm, I just feel it in my spirit. David would get himself into some stuff, and then he, he, would, he would go back to God and say, God, I know I did wrong, created me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit in me. Because after, listen to me, after disobedience had been brought to David's, David's attention, David addressed it. David said, listen, to, after this thing with Bathsheba, he, he, after Nathan brought it to his attention, he went, went to the Lord and he said, I have sinned against the Lord. And then in the book of Psalms, you hear him talking about stuff, creating me a clean heart, oh God. Renew a right spirit in me. That is the disposition. That has to be the disposition of our heart. Listen to me. Every Sunday you get to come here and I get to give you a mirror so you can look at yourself spiritually. And you, it, it is up to you. It's not up to Pastor Wanzell. I just got to give you the mirror of God's word. It is up to you to address those things in your spirit that are not like him. This is so good, I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a listen to this when I get done. <laughs> listen, it is your job. Listen to me. Check this out. I'll give you a good example. Um, I'll pick on Deandra. <laughs> Deandra's my friend. That's why I mess with her. If you woke up in the morning, yes, um, I'm assuming you brush your teeth every day. Okay. Some people don't. Just, no people. Um, you brush your teeth, and you see a booger in your nose. A nice green booger. (laughs) Do you leave it there? Why not? That's nasty. nasty. When you show up at church and I show you the mirror of your spirit, man, through God's word, and you see that booger sitting on your face, you just gonna leave it there? (laughs) That's nasty, is what somebody said. Listen, I'm laughing, I'm playing, but I want you to just get this and understand it. When you get this, when you get God's word and you receive God's word, he is allowing you to hear it. He is giving, oh gosh, he is giving you revelation so that you can do something with it. That is when it becomes blatantly Disrespectful. Because after he's exposed it to you, after he has given it to you, and you don't address it, I'm not saying that you don't work on it. I'm saying you just decide I'm not going to address it. I'm not going to do anything about it. That's nasty. That's what that is. All right, let's get these three. And I'm going to send you home. I'm going to do it quick. Let's go to verse 13. When Samuel reached him, Saul said, the Lord bless you. I have carried out the Lord's instructions. But Samuel said, what then is this bleeding of sheep in my ears? What is this lowing of cattle that I hear? Saul answered, the soldiers brought them from the, brought them from the Amalekites. They spared the best of the sheep and cattle to sacrifice to the Lord your God. But we totally destroy the rest. Point number one, uh, the first trait of disobedience is disregarded blind spots. Say that with me, disregarded, disregarded blind spots. Before Samuel could get a word out, um, Saul was already opening his mouth. And I've, I've carried out the Lord's instructions. And, and for me, just, just, just hearing that statement, if I, know that I, if I know that I didn't do what God asked me to do, there's some things I'm just not going to say. Right? Would you agree? Raise your hand like, I know I'm dead wrong. I'm not going to raise my hand. I'm, I'm, I'm putting a pen in, so I'm going to keep pushing. But this is how you can understand that partial obedience feels just like full obedience. Because in Saul's mind, he fully obeyed God. He wouldn't have said, I've, I fully obeyed the Lord. I've taken care of all of his instructions. You don't offer that kind of information when you know you did wrong. In Saul's mind, in Saul's heart, I've obeyed. But, 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 but watch this. So he says that to, to, to Samuel. He says, you know, I, I followed God's instructions, and, and Samuel's like, um, nah, bro. Y- yeah, you missed it somewhere. And I don't know how you missed it, but you missed it. Um, be, because he said to totally destroy the sheep and the cattle and, 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 and all the Amalekites, but I see sheep, cattle. And go over there riding a bike, you missed it. And check this out. And instead of paying attention to the blind spot and responding to the blind spot in his life, he just kept it pushing. Watch this. Disobedience has a way of causing you to lose sensitivity towards the sin in your life. I'm going to say that again. Disobedience has a, 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 a way of causing you to lose sensitivity for the sin in your life. I see you right, and I'm going to give you a second. I should have put it up on the screen, huh? Yeah. Pastor sucks sometimes, man. Disobedience has a way of causing you to lose sensitivity towards the sin in your life. So now, what happens is that you will start to develop these blind spots that you will become unresponsive to, even though it's been pointed out to you. Disobedience will make you feel like you've been so obedient that you you, you will start to miss the things that you missed, the sins that you've missed, and even when they get called out to you, you just ignore it. How many people in here drive, drive, drive a car? Raise your hand high. I don't know why I'm joking too much today. Can you drive, though? Like, can you really drive? Okay. Um, One of the things that I've learned about driving is that every driver in every car has blind spots. Yeah? And because we know that every driver in every car has blind spots, we are always checking our blind spots. So much so is if, if you're in the car with me and I need to get over, I'll ask you to check my blind spot for me because I don't want to destroy something because I didn't check my blind spots. When you show up here on a Sunday morning, this is God checking your blind spots for you. He is giving you the information that you need to make sure that you can completely obey him in everything that you do. But sometimes, instead of obeying God's word, we, ablo- we, 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 we disregard the blind spots and keep it pushing as if he never said it. Now, let me ask you this question. How reckless would I be in a car if I, ne- I never checked a blind spot? That's some of y'all right, in, in here right now. Don't, don't check blind spots when you're driving. How much damage are you causing because you're you're disregarding the blind spots in your life? It's been brought to your attention. You didn't see it. You didn't catch it. You didn't see that it's sin. And now it's been brought to your attention. But what do you do when this has been brought to your attention? Are you supposed to just ignore it or are you supposed to move away from it? Somebody shout blind spots. Here's the thing. All of us have blind spots. People say, well, we don't, I don't need to go to church. I, can, you know, I, I am the church. I hear you. That's good. That's cute. And that is true. But unless you come to a space where God's word is being exegeted and giving you the bread of life, you are missing something. You need to come to a place where, they, where you can be shown the blind spots of your life through the teaching of God's word. what are blind spots pastor Wanzell sin the ones that you embrace or the ones that you reject i'm talking those are the blind i'm talking about the ones that you don't see in your life anger jealousy lust all of these these things that we just kind of just feel like just are simple emotions, those are sins that have to be dealt with. The beautiful thing about church and the beautiful thing about God's word is that it points all of these things out so that you don't fall in the same hole again. Somebody shout blind spots. Let's get number two. Verse 15. Saul answered, the soldiers brought Them from the Amalekites, they spared the best of the sheep and the cattle to sacrifice to the Lord your God. But we totally destroyed the rest. Point number two, uh, the second trait of disobedience is blame shifting. Say that with me, blame blame shifting. So Samuel brings his disobedience to his attention, but instead of repenting and instead of addressing it and making the necessary adjustments, he shifts the blame. He says, well, the men, the soldiers are the ones who brought back those sheep. They brought back those cattle. Now, I'm supposed to be stupid and not know that they report to you. How much longer, how much longer are you going to justify being in the place that you're in by shifting blame? How much longer are you going to justify living the lifestyle that you're living by shifting blame? Pastor Wanzo, I was born this way. Pastor Wanzo, I, I, I didn't grow up with a father in the, in the house, so I don't know how to be a man. How much longer are you going to continue to justify where you are by shifting blame? She, she, she's not being what a wife is supposed to be, so I go find it someplace else. The kids just won't listen, Pastor Wong, so I got to speak to them that way. I, I have to demean them. I have to, I have to talk to them in that fashion because they just won't listen. How much longer are you going to continue to shift blame? I want you to write this down and I put it in my notes. I won't change if I find someone to blame. I won't change. If I find someone to blame. As long as you find someone to blame in the narrative, it allows you to stay the same. You can blame it on your parents. You can blame it on God. You could blame it on your your siblings. You could blame it on the job. You could blame it on the church you just left or whatever it is. But as long as you keep finding somebody to blame in the narrative, it allows you to stay the same. Saul says, I know you see these things still alive in my life, and I know exactly what God said. He said to destroy them totally, but it's not my fault. It was them. Pastor Wandsdale, was my environment that I'm in. I can do Jesus at church, but when I get home, as long as I find someone to blame, it allows me to stay the same. Let's get this third one. Verse sixteen. Are y'all getting anything today? You verse sixteen. All right. <clears throat> Enough, Samuel, said to Saul. Let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Tell me, Saul replied. Samuel said, although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel. And he sent you on a mission saying, go and completely destroy those wicked people. The Amalekites wage war against them until you have wiped them out. Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? But I did obey the Lord, Saul said. I went on the mission the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back Agag, their king. The soldiers took the sheep and the cattle from the plunder, the best of what was devoted to God, in order to sacrifice them to the Lord, your God, at Gilgal. Point number three, final point for today, is the phrase hidden detachment. Say that with me, hidden Hidden. detachment. I'm not sure if you caught this or not, but once in verse 15, and then another time in the text we just read in verse 21, Saul says something that brought this entire narrative into perspective for me. Look at verse 21. He says, the soldiers took sheep and cattle from the plunder the best of what was devoted to God, in order to sacrifice them to the Lord, your God, at Gilgal. Saul was religious, but he didn't have relationship. He was religious, but he didn't have relationship. What blew me away about this narrative is this. God chose Saul. He anointed Saul. He favored Saul. He blessed Saul. He gave him a position that he knew he wasn't qualified for. He puts him in that position and he's doing fine for a while. But what I found out in the narrative is that even though God had chosen Saul, Saul had never chosen God. There are people in this room right now today that is living on the grace of God, the favor of God, the blessings of God. And he has blessed you and chosen you, but you have failed to choose God. And the reason why you don't obey God is because you don't have a relationship with him. You're extremely religious. But you don't have a relationship. And here's what I've learned. You are not going to obey a God that you don't have a relationship with. It's impossible. (laughs) I was this kid in elementary school. I'm going to go back to elementary school. I'm not this way anymore. I stopped it by the time I left elementary school. But a teacher would tell me something. I would tell her, you ain't my mama. you judging me right now, but I'm not the only person that did that in this room. <laughs> what I was trying to express to her is that I don't have that kind of relationship with you, so I don't have to obey you. The reason why you keep disobeying God is because you don't have that kind of relationship with him. He wants the best for you. He's doing the best for you, but you don't want what's best for him. And what's best for him is for you to obey him. But because I don't have a relationship... It's easy to disobey. In essence, we're saying you're not my daddy. You're not my daddy. I'll put it better: you're not my God. You see, oh gosh, oh you you you're my grandmother's God. You're the God I hear about on Sunday mornings, but you're still not my God. Listen to me. You will never obey a God that you don't have a relationship with. It's easy to disobey when you don't have a relationship. Thank you for streaming the latest message from Truth Movement Church. We pray that you found something in God's word that you can deposit into your heart for future use. To stay connected with our ministry, like us on Facebook or Instagram or learn more about us by visiting www.truthmovementchurch.org.